Welcome to Sailing in the Mediterranean and Beyond podcast. I'm your host. My name is Franz. Let me thank my sponsor, Sailrite. For over 50 years, Sailrite has been your authority in all things marine DIY. Do it yourself. What started as a mail-order correspondence course on sailmaking has grown into one of the largest online and catalog retailers for the marine industry. Sailrite stocks everything you need to sew for your boat. They are the only company that makes one design and custom sail kits. As a passionate group of DIYers, Sailrite's dedication to self-reliance at sea is proven in their products and services. Sailrite sells fabric, foam, supplies, and more including the legendary portable and powerful Ultrafeed sewing machine. So you can be self-reliant and save money by sewing your own projects, from biminis to dodgers, sacrificial sail covers and sail bags, to interior and exterior seating and cushions. Sailrite brings you the best brands in the industry for unmatched product quality and professional-looking DIY results. With over 50 years of bringing you quality products, unparalleled service, and support, and free how-to videos, Sailrite is a name you can trust. I'm on Skype with Carl and Jenny. Carl and Jenny have a website. It's called carlandjenny.com, C-A-R-L-and-A-N-D-Jenny, J-E-N-N-Y.com. They also have a YouTube channel, and I'm going to have you guys tell us how to locate your YouTube channel because I have too many windows open here, and I don't think I want to mess up the interview by trying to find it. So tell us about your YouTube channel and what you guys are doing. Okay, so the YouTube channel URL is www.youtube.com forward slash C forward slash Carl and Jenny Sailing Adventures. Um, We've had the YouTube channel now going for around about three years, and it's covering everything from when we first started our search for a boat uh, going through Jenny's training for sailing, up to us buying it, and now currently living aboard full time, uh, cruising round GNC in Greece. Okay, the GNC in Greece. Yeah. Okay, all right. So I'm going to tell you how I came across your your website, and it was basically I was doing some research on. I'm thinking of leaving my boat in Provisa this year, and I thought, okay, what are the rules and regulations that I'm going to have to live up to to leave it, leave it there for the year? And I, I didn't, and I found a um, a video that you had done, and a post that you had done on getting uh, on entering Greece, the formalities for entering Greece, and you you're you are European citizens. And so your your rules and regulations for entering Greece are different from mine. I'm, an, I'm a U.S. boat, and I hadn't even thought about the rules and regulations for for European sailors. So that was interesting to see that you seem to have a, a almost even more bureaucracy than I do when entering Greece. <laughs> well, at the at the moment, we've got freedom of travel travel through throughout Europe or through the Schengen countries. But as the world's probably aware, we're going through the process of Brexit at the moment. Um, So after 2020, December 2020, um, we don't know what's going to happen. 
Yeah, who knows where we'll be? Who knows where we'll have to move? So the bureaucracy will probably get a little bit more stricter um, for UK sailors. Yeah, but I can't see them cutting off UK sailors. They'd be cutting off their nose. There's so many UK yeah. sailors I see over there that uh, that 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 would be foolish for their economy to be doing that. So I'm sure they'll make some sort of accommodation. Well, hopefully we'll get the reciprocity um, agreement where Greece have already put a bill through to, to the UK Parliament asking um, for the Greek people in the UK to remain as they are and in as a reciprocal agreement they will do it for the same for the brits and looking on the forums recently it looks like spain are probably looking at doing the same thing italy so to coin a, a british phrase touch wood it wouldn't affect us too much um but i think it's a matter of watch this space nobody knows for certain at the moment okay Anyway, I, I after I watched the, that one YouTube video, I thought I saw some of the others, and I thought, wow, I should talk to you because I, you know, there's a lot of other fairly popular YouTube channels, but there's not that many where they're sailing in the Mediterranean, and so I think you're a little bit unique in in that regards. So I'm going to um, find out how you guys started out. Now, now you guys are both from Britain. What part of Britain did you grow up, and how did you guys start sailing? So we lived in the very centre of the UK. Um, there's actually a village four miles from where we used to live, and there's a plaque next to an oak tree in the middle of the village centre. The village is called... And the village is called Morton. M-O-R-T-O-N. And that's in Derbyshire. And on the plaque it says that it's the most uh, central part of the UK, the furthest away from the sea in any direction. <laughs> Um, so, so for us to then want a boat, it's like you can't get any further than the sea than what we where we were living. So it's quite unusual, I think. So our, our sailing started um, probably about 34 years ago. Uh, I was quite big into windsurfing at the time, and I'd be going out to the coast most weekends when I was off work. And I was out there, it was actually Boxing Day, it was snowing, it was about zero degrees, and I'd been out surfing in the sea, and I got back to the car, I was freezing cold, and I thought, what the hell am I playing at here? And I drove the two and a half hours back home, I walked in the door, freezing cold still, and I said to Jen, I'm selling the boards, and I'm going to buy a boat. And I'm the kind of person where I can't just have a little bit of an interest in a hobby, if I go into it, I've got to be into it full on. Um, I think you're playing that down a little bit. If um, you've got to get into a, <laughs> if you're getting into a hobby, you've got to have the outfit, the uniform and everything before you even do it, haven't you, love? Yeah. Yeah. So she said, yeah, that's fine. You can buy yourself a boat. But first of all, you sell all the windsurfing equipment. And I think five days later, I bought a little 12-foot skipper sailing dinghy. Uh, in fact, I think a friend of mine actually put £200 towards it with me because he wanted to have a go at it. So we bought this little dinghy between us. Um, I taught myself to sail the dinghy, which, coming from a windsurfing background, wasn't that difficult. Um, I think within three months I'd enrolled on a day skipper course. Did the day skipper... This is back in 1994, 95. Um, 
the year after I did my yacht master course, and then I just kept trading up the boats until I got a trailer sailor. Um, we used to go sailing in that, although Jenny wasn't that interested in sailing at the time. Um, but we always said that when we retired, uh, we wanted to live abroad. Um, but we never knew where we could go um, because everywhere we go, we love the different countries. So we thought if we buy a boat, we can go anywhere. So 30 odd years ago, we decided, yeah, when we retire, we're going to buy a boat and we'll sail around the world like everybody says they're going to sail around the world. Um, and we came up for retiring three years ago and it was still on the bucket list. And so two years before I retired, Jen had to start learning how to sail properly. She became a qualified, she did a day skipper course. I did it again because when I did it back in 94, 95, they, wasn't, they didn't have things such as GPS and it was still on the... Um, They'd only just invented the wheel, really, haven't they, though? Yeah. <laughs> Boats had only just started <laughs> sailing. Um, so, yes, yeah, she got qualified. I redid the courses again. Um, and there we are now. Mm. Well, uh, how old are you guys? Um, I like to think I'm about 23. Yeah, we feel about okay, 23. Okay, good. So you still have the energy of a 23-year-old then, huh? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, sometimes. Uh, no, I like to uh, think I'm in about my 30s. When I look in the mirror, I realise, no, I am actually 52. And Carl's, in fact, your birthday's coming up in a couple of Two weeks. Two weeks, You'll I'll be, be 54. 54. All right. So, uh, yeah. So you retired fairly young then? Or did you actually retire? What? Yeah, we retired. Um, I was fortunate. I, I've been a police officer for 30 years. Um, so you do 30 years service and then you retire on a full pension. I don't get an old age pension until I'm 67, I think it is now, but I still get a... We're living off the police pension, basically. And whatever little bits we make on YouTube and Patreon, things like that. Well, We're very fortunate, actually. Now, are you? Do you make some of your money by taking other people sailing with you? We don't, because to do that, we would have to become registered charter boat, and the legislation to do that in Greece is it's it's not a simple thing. Um, for the sailing qualifications, I can convert my yacht master into doing a, getting a commercial, what they call a commercial ticket, um, so we'd be licensed to do it. But then there's quite a lot of restrictions and expensive um, restrictions, if you like, to get the boat qualified for you to be able to do that. So, no, we don't we don't charter the boat. We have friends come out and visitors uh, and family come out and visitors, but we don't do it on a commercial basis. No. OK. Just like me, I have friends and friends and clients come and join me, but they don't pay anything. <clears throat> so, yeah. No. So I'm looking at your website. And I see that your last episode was on Volos, episode 58. And when did you record that? It must have been last summer then, right? Yes. Uh, we have two worlds we live in. One is called video time and one is called or real boat time. time and one is real time. Um, <laughs> what, we did last, what we did last year was rather than put the episodes out as we was filming it, we thought, a lot of people like us, we don't get a chance to watch 
I mean, we do watch a lot of YouTube videos, but we don't get a chance to watch it throughout the summer because we're out busy sailing, doing other things. Uh, and I suppose everybody's in the same... Uh, <laughs> the same boat. <laughs> Excuse the pun. Mm -hmm. Um so what we thought we would try last year was to film the, the episodes and then put them out all through the winter because obviously in the winter um, we're in the marina so there's not that much sailing well there's no sailing activity really um, so to be putting out content on a regular basis throughout the winter um, you could, it's just physically easier isn't yeah, it? it it's not that simple yeah. the weather's not as good so yeah we, we thought this year what we're going to do We'll put the summer content out through the winter. So by the time we catch up into real time, we'll be off setting on setting off again. But having said that, we did ask um, some of our people who were patrons and stuff whether they liked us to like to see whether we were in real time or or saved up. And they did want us to do it more real time, didn't we? Yeah. So I think we're going to change it this year. Yeah. So so this coming year we're going to be doing it more in a real maybe a couple of weeks behind. Mm. Uh, so yeah, Volos, we was there in July, mm. June, July time. June, July. So there's actually a new episode going out tomorrow for the patrons, and then that'll be released out on YouTube next Saturday. Okay, so let's go back and start at the beginning and uh, talk about your purchasing of your sailing yacht that you're using to sail around with right now, and mm -hmm. uh, and, and the process of getting to where you're at right now. Do you want to take this one? No, because I've got a memory like a okay. I'll put in when I can. So we'd, we'd, we'd chartered a few boats, and we'd got in his mind that we wanted something like a Benito, a Geno, a Bavaria, um, basically because the mo majority of our sailing was going to be in the Med. Um, but we also wanted something where, if we do want to cross the Atlantic, which is on the plans maybe for in the next couple of years, um, we've got something what's going to be substantial enough to do that, but without having the cost of buying a, a proper blue ocean going cruiser. So we'd been going to the boat shows, we'd been looking around at a few boats, and we'd actually decided that, or we was thinking that we were going to end up buying the uh, Bavaria 46. Um, it ticked all the boxes what we wanted for the size and everything. Uh, and it was actually... A couple of months after I'd retired, we'd, we was in America. We took the kids on, on holiday for a, for a month, like as a, a retirement present to them. Um, and we saw the boat, what we bought, actually on um, one of the, uh, was it Yachting World or something like that? One of the sailing advertisement uh, companies. And we looked at it and looked at it online. And we'd got quite a big list of what we must have, what we would like, and what we needed. And the only thing that this boat didn't have was a water maker. And having spoken to people who sail in the Med uh, and chartered there as well, we thought, well, actually, if we're sailing around in the Med, we can do without the water maker. It's not a must-have. Um, and as you know yourself, if you are sailing around the Med, you can get water in most places without a problem. So the boat was probably, I don't know, we'd got an idea in mind on how much we wanted to spend, and this was 
around about £20,000 more than what we wanted to spend. We could afford it, but we didn't really want to have to spend more than we needed to. Um, but it had loads of extras as well. So we sent an email to the broker and just offered him a stupid price saying, would the owner be interested in accepting this much? And the broker didn't even speak to the owner. He just got straight back to us and says, no, sorry. So we thought, oh, well, we tried. You don't get anything by asking if you don't ask. Um, so we carried on with the holiday. And then I think it was back in the UK and we was looking around again at other boats and this was still on the market. And so it, we went through the bucket list again. Yeah, it ticks everything. It was actually a little bit bigger than the one we was looking at, the 46. This is the 47. Uh, it was one owner from new. It was only eight years old. Um, the photographs, it looked absolutely mint condition. So we thought, well, actually, you know, by spending that little bit of extra money, we're not going to lose out on it. No. And we were getting excited, weren't we? Yeah. I mean, when you see, when you start ticking all these boxes and, yeah, it's got that and it's got the, the wood that I wanted inside, women want very different things to men. Um or I, did I wanted a radar and things like that. Jenny wanted light-coloured wood. <laughs> Sold out to the colour. <laughs> and a big bed and comfortable things and stuff like that. Because it's got to be our home as well. That's the other thing. It's not like a holiday boat. So we'd got, I'd got to feel that I could move out of a house and, and live on it. Um, so as well as the upheaval of leaving your family, your friends, your house, you're then moving into something, uh, what, an eighth of the size even more than that uh, you know with your house and and you've got to have you've got to have room to be able to enjoy it and enjoy where you are so we were getting really excited because we were ticking all these boxes and we'd got like butterflies in your stomach and stuff and thinking it's even the name that we want it's even called dream how can it how can it not be our dream you know and we've just got to follow our, our instinct really and go and see it so that's what we did didn't we yeah so what the following day, I sent an email to the broker and I hope the offer, well, I did, it wasn't an offer. Uh, and if people watch our, our last videos, uh, there were quite a lot of comments um, about people saying, oh, the broker's trying to rip you off and things. The process of buying a boat, in, in certainly in the UK, because it was a UK broker, is that you will speak to the broker. And basically, because like this boat was out in Crete, before they will arrange for the owner to come out and meet you there, um, they want to hold in deposit. Now, that deposit does not um, tie you into buying the boat, and it is fully refundable. But we didn't know that, did we, at first? And we put this out on our on our uh, weekly YouTube channel at the time, saying, oh, the broker's asked us for this. And people went absolutely crazy saying, oh, they, they're having you over. You never pay any money. You're not buying it. You're only going yeah. to look at it. Don't part with any money. Don't. And that was the feeling that we had as yeah. well, Yeah, and so it? we got a really bad feeling about the whole situation because we'd never been in a situation where we was paying lots of money, like mortgage amounts of money for a, for a boat. Um, in the past, all the little boats I bought were a few hundred pound or a couple of thousand pound, and I just paid, you know saved a few quid up and, and paid for it in, in cash. Um, but anyway, as it turned out, what we had to do was pay a £1,000 holding fee to the broker 
And basically all that was was to guarantee that the boat wouldn't be sold between the time we spoke to him and coming out to see it in Greece. If after we'd been out to see it, we decided it wasn't for us or anything like that, the money was fully refundable. So we was quite okay at that. So we, we paid the money. The following week we came out, we met the owner. We actually spent five days on the boat with him. We didn't sleep on it, but we, we stayed in a hotel. So he took us out sailing. He, he showed us everything about the boat. Um, and basically we just fell in love with it straight away. Um, so we went away from there. The following two weeks later, we came back, had the survey done. Everything was okay with the survey. So it was back to England and then the official, how much we're going to offer for the boat. Um, but to be quite honest with all the things, what was put in on the boat and all the extras, I mean, we got more extras and tools and scuba diving equipment. There's a sea scooter. There was, there was everything. There was a lot, a lot, a lot of extras. Um, we did get it a little bit cheaper and we also got, um, uh, a, a, I think it was an 18 month old Honda motorcycle thrown in with okay. it as well. So, um, that's what we did. And then the only thing, the only problem we did have at the time was that we needed to sell the house before we could confirm the actual transfer of the payment. Uh, and our household took 24 hours to sell. So we was quite okay with that. Um, and then we came down, the sale went through in November. No, we moved in November. So I went, through. I went through at the beginning of November. We drove down to uh, to Crete and moved on to the boat. Now, what year was this? So, was this 2016? That was November 2018. Okay, all right. When, when we actually took ownership of it. All right, so you've only been sailing the Med for about a year then, a year and a half, a couple of years then. Well, yeah, the two, uh, we've done two full seasons now. Okay. Yeah. So much to apart see from, still. <laughs> sorry, apart from when we was chartering like the year before. Okay. So this is your permanent home then? Yep. Yes, we live on here full time. Apart from when we go back to the UK to visit family and friends, which we've just done. We've been out there for seven weeks. Um, and we've got a motor home there, which is our second home. But no, no houses as such anymore. Yeah. No bricks and mortar. So you have a motor home. Do you spend much time in that? Um, only the time that we need to be in England that we're in it. Um, or if we're traveling between here, from you know, between the boats, if we're bringing out the van. Um, but no, to be honest, we've always gone back. This is one of my uh, things that I don't like so much, to be honest with you. We go back. I enjoy seeing family and friends and things. Um, but we always go back when it's England, English winter. So although we've got the van uh, insulated, uh, we've got the heater that's only on the engine heater, no Herbespracker. Is it Herbespracker? However you pronounce it, Herbespracker. Um, it's darn well cold when we go back. So, you know, we've got lots of things that we're, we're wearing clothes. We've got hats and jumpers and coats and things. So it's not the best of, of time of year to go back, I don't think. But it's one of those things that you have to do, I'm afraid. So let's talk about your overall general feeling about what you're doing. Are you happy you made this choice? 
or do you have second thoughts once in a while? What, what, how do you feel so far? The only second thoughts we have are when we get hit by storms. <laughs> uh, no, we, we absolutely love it. Um, we've, we'd been, as I said before, we've, we'd planned this for 30 years. It's something we'd always wanted to do. And we gave ourselves a time limit, thinking maybe 10 years, because most of the people who've been full-time liverboards we've spoken to, 10 years is sort of a, not a time scale, but after 10 years, you've probably done what you need to do and and you're getting older and maybe you're wanting to settle down a little bit again. Mm. But uh, while ever we're still happy doing it, we'll continue to do it. And while we've still got a, a, a little bit of money left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I said to Carl, I'm a little bit different. I knew he wanted to do it forever. And, yeah, I was in that as well. But you always have these thoughts in the back of your mind thinking, well, what if I don't like it? And, you know, are you going to stay here and I'll go back to England or, or what? So what I did say is that even if I detested it, which I didn't think I would, but even if I detested it, I would give it at least two seasons. And uh, that's it now, so we're going back. <laughs> uh, no, but no, we still, I still do love it. I enjoy the fact that you've got a very different summer life to a winter life. Um, your summer life obviously is beautiful. You're out on the boat. You're, it's just the two of you until you have guests and things. And it's enjoyable being able to go to different islands, get off, see the different um, monasteries, just have a walk around, but be in the sunshine. Um, but then when you come back and you've got the winter time, that's when it's more of your liverboard community, uh, especially if you get a good marina like we are here. Um, but it makes it a different kind of life. It splits up that year. Um, I still have quite a lot of pull back to family. Um, when I go back... I love seeing them for a week. I love seeing them um, and friends and everything, but I do still want to be back here. I don't want to be in England. So while ever I feel like that, then, yeah, we'll still be on the boat. Although we get a few days of tears when we do get back because she's missing the kids and our, our new grand, granddaughter. Yeah, that's the pull. That's the pull. <laughs> yeah. we I've got three grandkids and... Uh, uh, my wife lives for the grandkids. There's no question about that. And I enjoy them for a while, too. <laughs> it's always nice when you can hand them back. That's exactly right, yeah. <laughs> you don't have to be the disciplinarian, either. You can just be the good guy. So That's right. So I'm gonna, So where did you buy the boat in Greece? What, what marina did you buy the boat at? Ios uh, Nicolaus, oh, uh, Crete. Okay, so where you're at right now, then? Where we're, where we're at now, yes. So uh, we're still on the same berth, uh, the same pontoon. We're on B30. B32. Um, yeah, so we've not moved that in that respect. The boat's not moved since we bought it uh, over winter, uh, apart from obviously in the summer when we're out and about. But, yeah, still here. Uh, I am wanting to move next year, but Ooh. then that's a bone of contention because Carl doesn't. So we've got to uh, discuss that point a little bit more. We... What we decided was... <laughs> no, we've not decided at all. Now, the, the plan at the moment is um, to probably come back for next winter. We have kept a yearly contract with the marina, um, but we're going to be looking at changing it to just a winter contract for next winter. 
and then that will be the last one. That's what he thinks, but we'll see. So how? So you haven't been to any other? Well, this is for your second winter there. Okay. So there's a few. This will be our third winter. Third yeah, winter. We, okay. We started in November eighteen. Okay. So it was eighteen, nineteen, twenty. So we've done three years here. Um, yeah, and I, I just want to see what else there is out there. We can always come back. Is what my view is. Yeah, I've I've heard there's a real great community over in Sicily on Marina Ragusa. In fact, you can yes. go back and listen to some of my interviews I do, did with Jack Andrews, and he talks about it quite a bit. So it's a real mm. true community. And uh, I didn't know that uh, Crete had a, a marina like that as well. So you've got a lot of liveaboards over the winter down there? Yeah, we have, uh, I think there's around about 50 liveaboards over the winter. Boats, that is. Boats, isn't it? So yeah. Like yeah. Double that if there are a couple. Yeah. Okay. So I'm, I've been, been quite a few people. Okay. Do you uh, do you have organized events? Do you guys get together and and entertain each other throughout the winter? Oh, if I'm honest with you, you could do something every day. There's something happening all the time, um, and that's such the nice thing about it. You know, you've got your yoga class, classes that the marina supplies, darts nights, um, card games there's absolutely everything to be honest there's a regular barbecue every sunday uh, that we that we like to go to everybody does that um happy hour on a friday there's something all the time um and it's just finding that nice balance that you've got to be able to decide whether you want to join in that week or not um and, and the, where it is as well, uh, you'll have to come here you step off the boat and you're basically in the center of town so there's none of this walking miles to be able to get into town. There's the hospital, there's all the doctors, dentists, you name it, it's here. So that's like one of the reasons that Carl wants to stay. Um, it's the good community. The weather's one of the best in Greece because we're furthest south that you can get in Greece. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of pluses for it. But then I, I just think the world's a bigger place and, you, and there's lots more to see, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. I, I tend. I've never wintered on my boat. I always come back to the states. So, well, I'm on my right. boat two months a year, and then I come back for the rest of the year. So I'm different yeah. than you. So I've been to your marina, and um, there's a there's a boat. Now you said you're on B dock. Is that the first one in that's from right. the entrance? So you got A on the very end, and then B the next one in. Or yes, it, that's right. Okay, and it seems to me like there's a, a boat there. And I don't know if he's still there because when I was there, he seemed like he wintered there all, all the time. That put out a um, a Crete cruising guide, and I went around to him and he gave it to me in a PDF format, and I went and posted it on my website. Do you know who I'm talking about? And I wonder if he's still we, there. Yeah, we certainly do. Yeah, we certainly do. Now, um, that the guy's name is Tony Cross. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, the boat was called oh, Little Top or Round uh, Top? No. Little Button. Round Top? Round Top. That's it. We was it Round Top? Was it Round Top? It was something like that. Anyway, they actually put the boat up for sale. Um, Tony's the HLR for the Cruising Association and he's still keeping his post within Crete, although they've stopped sailing now. Uh, and Tony and Tessa, his wife, they've actually got a. Um, an apartment now in the town centre and they sold the boat and it was somebody who actually followed us on YouTube who actually bought it some 
who are now friends of ours, uh, Cheryl and Richie, came over from Australia, and they're actually parked or moored directly opposite us now on the marina for the winter. Um, so, yeah, Tony did put the book out, and if you've not got the copy anymore, if you need another copy or anybody wants a copy, just drop us a line and we can... I dish it out all the time to different sailors. It's it's quite an informative guide about all the places to sail around Crete. Yep, I have it I'm posted. Tony. I have it posted yeah, on sorry. my I have it posted on my website, so it's there. And and uh, but sometimes it's hard to get it. So I'll, I'm glad you've given that other mm. contact information on that. So that's good. Yeah. So the only thing I didn't like about Crete, and I've only been to Crete one time, was getting away from Crete. It's it's always a <laughs> <laughs> it's into the wind, a hundred miles, an overnight yep. sail, and uh, I I thought, well, I don't think I'll go back again. So <laughs> I've been there once, and that was the only time I've been to Crete. So, what is nice about it is that it's an annual event for everybody, or everybody who leaves Crete. Um, so, what most of the people do who are the the residents here, we leave Ios Nikolaos Marina. We sail round to the Bay of Alunda. I'm sure you'll have been there. Uh, That's where Spinalonga is. Where Spinalonga Island is, where the Mm -hmm. leper colony was. Right. Um, And and then we all sit there for two or three days waiting for the weather window. And then depending on which way the wind's blowing, it's normally Astapalaya, Santorini or Milos. Um, we, We did... Astapalaya last time, uh, but this time the wind was in the favour for going to Milos, which is a little bit further away. Uh, in fact, it actually took us 27 hours to get there. Um, but it's a good introduction to the the season. Uh, what because time if are you, you, if what, you? Can you get a southerly? Because I mean, earlier in the season you might get a southerly that blows you there. Um, we don't. Yeah, that's what we. Well, that's what we aim for, don't we? But yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, I'm I'm getting my northerlies and my southerlies. <laughs> yeah, you get the southerlies yeah, what take you up there. Um, this time we was getting northeasterlies, and that's why we went over towards Milos. Um, so yeah, it is it is a little bit of a long drag, and it is the same coming back as well. Uh, last year we came back via Rhodes and Carpathos, and we had to cross what they call the Angry Sea. And it was certainly angry the time we came back on it. Um, we was getting th- three to four metre waves and 30 yeah. to 40 knot winds. And it, we got a couple with us who aren't sailors. Uh, they've been out to visit us a couple of times where they just wanted to be anchored up and enjoying the sun. And they came back on this trip from from Rhodes. And <laughs> she was on the phone to her mum halfway across saying, Get me, get me an helicopter. Come get and pick me up. Boat. Get yeah. me off this bloody boat. With a few expletives <laughs> in between. So, uh, yeah. And also this year when we had uh, some American friends come over, <clears throat> excuse me, and stay with us, um, they said we can't believe what the actual med is like. We've, we've got this idea, uh, and they, they seem to think that most Americans have got this idea, that the med is smooth, flat, uh, not very windy, you know, and, and quite an easy place to sail. Uh, but I can assure you, at times it's not. It's high, People tend to say it's either all or nothing. And 
well, the sure. unpredictability of it is what can catch you out, and that's what we've had a couple of times over these last two seasons. Um, but it keeps you on your toes and uh, that kind of thing. But yeah, the seas can get quite rough, and it's the seas that we tend to watch out more for and more than the wind, don't we? Really now. Yeah. Okay. So the the first year, where did what was your route the first year that you put the boat in the water? Um, the first year we decided we was going to do an anti-clockwise circuit of the Aegean. Um, so we we left Crete, we went up to Astapalaya, um, then we went over to Nissos, Simi, down to Rhodes. We actually picked our daughter and son-in-law up in Rhodes. And then we went back up to Simi, dropped them off in Kos, and then just like kept to the Turkish side, but within the Greece war, Greek waters, went up to all the islands up that side. And we got as far as Lesbos into a bay called Scala Lutron. And we fell in love with it. There was nothing there, just one taverna. You had to go a, a mile across the, um, the lagoon to the other side to the shops. And we ended up staying there two months <laughs> Really? We absolutely loved it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we didn't get any further north that that year. Because then the Meltemi started, and the Meltemi is the strong winds that are northerlies, as you know. Mm -hmm. So unless you want to be beaten into the waves and the wind, you've got to do that pretty, pretty early on in the season. Um, and then when because we'd been in Lesbos for all this time, we were just well, we couldn't get any further north very easily. So, yeah, we thought we'll stay and then make our way back. So we, we didn't up, get very far, really, we did up, we? <laughs> we? I think we did about eleven or 1,200 miles last <clears> year. Um, and we turned around and then eventually got back into Crete again, almost via the same route, um, for the beginning of November. Okay. So <laughs> I'm looking at Lesbos. Which which bay of the, is the, are we talking about? The one in the middle of the island, or in the south, where you enter from the south to the middle? Both of them you enter from the south. But the one on the east or the one on the west, which bay are you talking about? The one on the east. We oh, the actually one, went the littler one then. Okay. This the smaller one. The yeah. one to the left hand side on the west, we actually went in there this year and mm. it was terrible. Mm. It was like being it was like the colour of the water, I would imagine the Amazon River looks the same. It was yeah. like a dirty brown brackish colour. You've got, is it three or four rivers running into it? There were three or four it? rivers feeding it. So as you get into the top, yes, it was sheltered. But where you want to be sheltered and see turquoise water and be able to see the bottom, there were, it there was, was really silty and everything. So we didn't really swim mm. any. We, we no. came we pretty, came we pretty quick one out night. of there and then and went in the other one that we liked. Okay, I've been to the one you went to, uh, but I only spent a day or two there. So, But I never got to the other one. So... Uh, so did you ever visit Turkey or did you stay in the Greece area? No, we, we stayed in Turkey. Uh, sorry, we stayed in Greece all the time uh, because now we're having to pay the cruising tax as well for Greek waters, uh -huh. um, which is another talking point in itself. Um, we decided that we were going to stay in, into the Greek waters. Uh, this year, we actually went, sorry, last year, we're now in 2020. So 2019, uh, we did the anti-clockwise circuit um, and went all the way up to Halkidiki. Uh, so we we left Crete over to Milos and then eventually up the Evia Channel 
Um, Volos, then Skiathos, Skopolos. I can never say the next one. What is it? Anolis. Alonisos. Alonisos. And, and then back up onto the uh, three fingers at the top. We found a fantastic anchorage. Um, we're hoping to go up again there this year, which is uh, called Diaporos. It's on the second finger on the eastern side. It's beautiful water, mm-hmm. really protected. You've got to go there if you get the chance. Um, but that is the place where we got hit by the supercell what um, went across Croatia. And we got knocked down on the boat. We was at anchor. And suddenly the visibility went from... We'd been there five days on anchor. Um, and we sat there having a glass of wine. And suddenly the visibility onto the, the shoreline went from a mile to zero. The boat got knocked down almost flat. Uh, the bimini ripped off. The solar panels came off the mountains. Um, and we dragged 600 metres in 30 seconds with the, engine on, with the engine on full. Um, we couldn't get a fix on GPS. I was on the helm. Jem was stood in the companionway. I'd shouted to her, just switch everything on. And she couldn't even see me stood at the, uh, the helm like two and a half metres away. It was just um, like it was underneath a waterfall. There was that much rain coming down. Oh, it was... Uh... All, all we knew, there was there was 14 boats in the anchorage and all I knew is that there was nobody to the west of me. So I just got the engine on full because we was only probably 200 yards off the, off the beach. I put the engine on to full, just headed west. And then afterwards, when we looked on the anchor watch, um, the tracker, we headed directly west in a straight line for 600 metres. Sounds and so you were, were you dra- yeah. were you dragging anchor? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, weren't you too it deep? Would... Was your anchor hanging straight down at that point in time? We'd got maybe 70 meters of chain out in six and a half, seven meters of water. So, and we've got all chain. We've got a 32 kilo Rockner anchor, uh-huh. and we'd been we'd been there five days in in up to 30 knot winds, and it holds absolutely fantastically. But this came and it, we say we, we just went. Speaking to somebody who was there the following day, he thinks we got hit by a water spout. There was nobody else got any damage. Nobody else moved, just our one boat. Really? It was uh, that, that's, I mean, it was that concentrated just on your boat then? Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that's the reason we think we got hit by a water spout. Yeah. But because it was so dark, we couldn't see. Yeah. Um, but it, it was quite fr- I I honestly thought... At one point, this is it. We've lost the boat. I didn't fear for a safety because I knew the water was quite shallow. We was only 100, 200 yards away from the, the, the shore, and it's a beach all the way down there. Um, so our personal safety, I wasn't worried about at all. Um, but I thought, this is it. The boat, the boat's going on the beach. It was, it was quite frightening. Yeah. We didn't have any time to think about the anchor until we'd stopped basically doing this 600 meter shimmy down the side so uh yeah that was exciting (laughs) so i'm on google earth and i'm trying to locate where you're talking about so this is that middle finger and you're on the the west side of the middle finger 
East side. East side. Oh, I've been looking for the wrong yeah. spot then. And what's you the name right of the place? To, near to the top, you'll see an island. A little island called Diaporos. Diaporos. Or Diaporos. Yep, there it is. Uh-huh. You got Can it? Can you see it? Mm -hmm. So we was in like the the bit between the mainland and the, the island. Okay. All right. So you so you got were you on the island? So you you were blown directly west. So you must have had at least enough sea room that you weren't going to be running up then. No, sorry, we we got blown south. South, okay. I was said, he I, I, I was heading west on the engine. Oh, but we went direct. We went directly south because the wind was so strong. We th you'd think that we'd go west because that's where we were heading, but the wind was just taking well, the, the boat. Wind, the wind was probably northwesterly. Yeah, and when we say when we look back at the track. Northerly. Uh, it was due south, so we'd gone like the length of the Diaporos Island. We were near the entry point. <laughs> wow! Um, at the bottom. I hope I never so, have yeah, that experience. That yeah, that doesn't sound like a me well. well it sounds like a memorable experience, but not one that I want to experience. It was yeah. certainly memorable. The guy on the boat behind, as when I was talking to him the next day, he's, he'd sailed around the world twice and says that was the worst storm he'd ever been in. So. If that's the worst one we've got to encounter, then it's all good from there yeah. on, I suppose. So you want to go back up to that anchorage again, then? Yeah, it, it was just the freak yeah. storm what came across yeah. Croatia and, and a lot of Europe. So you do get a little bit of thunder up there because you've got the mountains from Thessaloniki and uh, the Balt—is it the Baltic? The court, not the Balt. No, uh, I can't not Baltic, but uh, oh, anyway, from that area. The so Balkans, you, you do get the Balkans. Few, that's, that's, Balkans, yeah. that's right. Um, you do get a few thunderstorms up there, but the majority of the time, you're really well protected for the Meltemi. Um, we've got friends throughout the middle of the summer who've been sat up further down south, and they've been holed up for three or four weeks at a time, and we've got it beautiful up there, apart from that one night. Yeah, the farther north, the less the Meltimi blows, I mean, typically. So that's uh, so it must have been an, an anomaly is what it was more than anything else. So yeah. ah, so yeah, I've never been up that far. I got as far north. I've been up to Lesbos. I've been up to the, the Black Sea, or the, excuse me, the Sea of Marmara. Uh, mm -hmm. And I've been to Lesbos, and I wintered in, uh, in Turkey uh, just across from uh, Lesbos. Oh, what's the name? Uh, I forget the name of the city, but anyway, uh, Ivalik, that's the name of it. Right. And um, But I've never got to the Three Fingers. I've never been to the Three Fingers, so that's something I'd like to do at some point in time. Yeah. And, yeah. of course, you've got Mount Athos on the third finger. Yeah, now you can't go there, can you? Can you even no, anchor there? No, you can sail around. Yeah, uh, you can go there if you're a male. Mm -hmm. um, but there's no females allowed on the island, on the actual land. Uh, and if you've got females on board, I think it's a 500, is it 500 metres? You've got to keep away from the, the coast. Um, up until recently, I think it was about maybe 1980, they didn't even allow female goats or horses on there. <laughs> it was males only. <laughs> but now they've relaxed that rule. It was running after goats. <laughs> All right. So, uh, what are your plans for this coming summer then? Um, we've not fully decided yet, have we? We've not done um, the. Is it well, Kikladis, what, the, the middle the, bit. We want to do the 
the Middle Islands around Santorini because although we we sailed up to Milos last year, we got a friend on board and we had to get them over towards Athens pretty quick. So we didn't yeah. get a lot of time to explore there. So we'd like to have a look around that area this year. So that's Naxos, Paros, Antiparos. That's where uh, Tom... Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks has got his place, and he's just been uh, awarded Greek residency or something, hasn't he? Uh, on, which I, on which citizen? island? Paros or, or Antiparos? Antiparos. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, you've got a place on there. Um, where else is there on that bit? Yeah, all those islands in the middle, but you've got to always do that, as you probably know, at the beginning of the sailing season or at the end, because you don't want to get stuck when it's the uh, June, July, August Tommy. time for the Meltemi. Well, well, and the, the other and thing, the tra- and the traffic there is so high too. It's it's yeah. it's yeah, yeah. It's it's not as bad as in the Ionian. Um, I mean, you go to the Ionian nowadays, and if you're wanting to get into some of the the um, keys and ports, you've got to be getting there first thing in the morning. Wait for the charter boats to leave, um, and then get your place. Whereas in in the Aegean, there's not so many charter boats because it's further for them to travel. Um, right, so and it's more, not it's not for beginning sailors either. Yeah, maybe not. I'd agree with that. Um, so it, I, I think you've got a lot more scope in the Aegean rather than the Ionian side. The Ionian's beautiful. I mean, we will go back there one day. Um, but I think you're probably better off going either very early season or very late season because of the amount of charter boats, what's in there, and lots of flotillas and things. They just take all the nice spots up early. So, uh, and and a lot of the places now are giving them preference. I mean, even in even in Rhodes this year, we went into last year. Sorry, we went into Mandraki, um, the old harbour, mm-hmm. and we could only stay in there three days because the charter boats were coming back in for the weekend. Um, so, but it's a popular place, Greece. But it's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. Well, great. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your experiences with us. Is there something that we need to cover that we haven't covered? And and how do people get in contact with you and, and follow your videos again? Um, I think we've covered everything that we've been doing. Yeah, um, we just we just like to promote ourselves as middle-aged people. Uh, fun loving fun loving people uh no that we we this year what i want to be able to do we've bought a couple of new cameras and uh we're intending to have them located on the boat better so that when things happen that go wrong uh which is not quite often but things have happened uh it's it's there and it's being recorded for people to see because people love seeing things that go wrong Instead of just seeing all the nice bits. Yeah, or talking about it afterwards. <laughs> so we want to do that a lot more. Um, we want to improve um, like the overnight crossings and stuff like that that we've done. And we want to do longer longer sails. Yeah, we, we, we're going to push our, our boundaries a little bit more. So whereas before we were sailing, I don't know, you'd look at Windy and you'd see that there'd be a red sector because of the wind. And we thought, us. no, yeah. we're not going to go out in that. We're wanting to push the boat a little bit more and ourselves a little bit more and do more overnight sails, multi-day sails. So we're building up towards when we're going out towards the Atlantic for when we do the crossing, say, maybe 221, 2021. Yeah. Um, so so just building the experience yeah. up a little bit. 
So, oh, well, yeah, if people want to, if people want to follow us, we've got the the YouTube channel, which we've said before, Carl and Jenny Sailing Adventures. We've got a big following on Instagram now, which is Carl and Jenny Sailing. We're on Twitter. We've got the Facebook account. And if I can also give it a plug, we're actually just starting our own podcast, um, which is going to be calling, called Carl and Jenny Talk About, which is not just about sailing. It's about married life <laughs> and our living on a boat. Yeah. It's how do, I, how do how I do I put up with this guy that I've been living with this long in this short, you know, this uh, small space, small space uh, and what really gets on my nerves or what we learn week by week and what we've been doing. So, so. it's more of a fun thing. Um, revealing warts and all. Yeah, but to leave you with feeling happy at the end of it. We're all in it for for feeling better about it all. I have one more question. What 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 sort of camera gear do you have, and how do you get your great videos? Right. So, as I said earlier at the beginning of the the interview, we I was a police officer. Joan was working for the car industry. Um, but we also had his own business, which was a photography and film company. Um, and we used to specialise in the high-end market of weddings. So we've been all over doing some really nice wedding. We've still got quite a lot of the gear, what we used to use for that. Um, we've kept upgrading it, but basically uh, we've got our go-to cams now. Uh, we use the Panasonic GH5. Uh, we've got quite a few lenses for that. Um, we've just in, invested in the DJI Osmo Pocket, which is a, a fully gimbaled camera. We're cutting a go-to camera, like just for everyday thing. We're, we're cutting in and out of here a little bit with Skype. Sorry. So you said the Panasonic GHI, GH5, GH5, okay. um, which is a, a micro four. Yeah, micro four-thirds camera, which is absolutely fantastic. There's a, quite a selection of lenses we used with that. Uh, a go-to compact camera, which we carry around with us quite a lot, is the Canon GX7 Mark II. We've obviously got the GoPros, DJI Osmo Pocket. Um, we've we've got a, a basket full, to be honest. Um, but they're, they're the main cameras what we use on a regular basis. So how do you choose when and to film? And then we edit it all in Final Cut. Yeah, and I was going to say, Final I mean, Pro. you probably have a lot of lot of footage. Do you do you leave the cameras going all day long? Uh, you know, sh- short frames, or do you choose when you're going to be filming, or or you know, how to capture? How do you capture the great moments? Uh. We do have off days. We do have off weeks where we get absolutely sick of seeing cameras <laughs> and we don't even get it out. Uh, we've had guests on board where they don't want to be filmed, so we've not done any filming while they've been here. Um, but basically we use... When we're sailing on the navigation table, we've got all the cameras lined up. Um, we've got the, the GoPros are fastened to the outside of the boat. So... Oh, we've got a drone as well, the Mavic drone, uh, which we wanted to use a lot more this year because we, we, I'm actually a little bit scared of using it because it costs a lot of money and I don't want it dropping in the sea. <laughs> um, but, yeah, we, we just get whatever we've got to hand at the time. If it's a waterproof camera we need, we'd use one of the little Panasonics or the GoPros. 
if we're just going for a walk walk around somewhere and we don't want to be lumbered with the big cameras we just take the pocket camera so we've got a selection and it's but this year is going to be the year for putting the ones stationary on the boat because as you know when things happen it happens there and then so like you know i'll say switch the cameras you know gopro start recording or whatever it is um you've just not got time to do that unless the the film they're in place and doing it all the time so i'll pick up a a camera say that it's not mounted or anything he'll say put that camera down and get hold of that line (laughs) so you can't i can't do two things so i've said though this year we'll we will film a bit better footage yeah we're going to put a lot more effort into doing that trying to to plan the footage more um and do it a little bit more of a cinematography style rather than a a run and gun style but try to keep the the fun aspect and the the bit of banter what we people like how we do it um still keep that element but make it a little bit more informative um and and giving people a better production really okay we'll see well that's great that gives us a a lot of information so i want i want again thank you for coming on to the podcast and i will let you know when it's coming out and uh, let's keep in touch, okay? Yep. All right. Yeah, yeah. that's great. Thank you. Really for enjoyed us, it. Yeah. Life is short. In the end, all that really matters is the memories you make. So make a few. Go sailing. Joel, you want to know something? What? Every now and then, say what the f- What the f- gives you freedom? Freedom brings opportunity. Opportunity makes your future. If you can't say it, you can't do it.